Hey everyone, welcome to the Create Initiative Podcast, the show that brings you insights and techniques from people in the creative world. We serve to help fellow creatives connect, learn, and grow. I'm Jason Evans, sitting across the table from Kyle Lee, wearing his denim shirt today. Kyle, how's it going, man? It's great. This is a Wrangler shirt. It is like a legit Wrangler shirt? Wrangler, yes. Wow. Comfort guaranteed. Greensboro, North Carolina. Well, how about that? You and George Strait. So if I am ever uncomfortable, I'm going to call them. (laughs) Ever or only ever if you're wearing their shirt. I don't know. It doesn't say specifically. It just says comfort guaranteed. That's true. You should. Have you ever been uncomfortable? Actually, it says comfort period guaranteed period. So I don't even know what. I don't even know what to think about that. You know? I don't know. That does seem like two broad statements. It might be an ad for Greensboro, North Carolina. Like like it's comfortable? Yeah. Maybe they put an ad in with Wrangler. You know, like NBA teams can yeah. do ads now. Yeah. Maybe Wrangler saw that as an opportunity, generate a little bit of extra revenue, hmm. or however that all works. That? Props Maybe to the true. Thunder for not having anything extra on their jersey. Not yet. I think they're just holding out for the right, right dollar amount, right? I mean, surely it's just going to be like, we want this much. Holding out for that huge yeah. Sonic across the... I, th- I think it would, now that would be funny. I mean, come on. That would be kind of hilarious. It would since be they ironic, used to be the yeah. Sonics, you know, so... Um, but I, I, I always just kind of feel like, you know, they play in Chesapeake Energy Arena. I think it'd be awesome if Devon Energy would be the sponsor tag. I did see huge, alongside the court last night, huge Paycom... Oh, really? Pieces on the court, like painted on the court. Oh, really? And so, so they may be the next. Paycom's making its way. Boy, they are expanding in Oklahoma City, that's for sure. Every time I drive by their building, they've added uh, like five more stories of building somewhere behind there. So anyway, uh, if you would like to work for Paycom, I'm sure they're they're currently hiring, but that's not the purpose of anyway, this podcast. this so. segment brought to you by Wrangler. <laughs> this Paycom segment brought to you by Wrangler. And did you hear that Sonic got bought by Arby's for $2.3 billion. Sonic got bought by Arby's because um, Arby's bought Buffalo Buffalo Wild Wild Wings. Wings. Yeah. Here's here's my problem. I don't care if Sonic gets bought. I hate Sonic. Um, Arby's... He didn't really mean that if you happen to work for Sonic. Um, I don't mind if you work there. The food's disgusting, though. Um, Arby's used to have Mountain Dew. Mm Mm-hmm. So made it tolerable. Yeah. And free pickles. I'll go anywhere where you get free pickles. Um, they switched over to Coke products. They bought Buffalo Wild Wings, who has Pepsi products. If they switch that over, there's going to be a meltdown. You know, that's a, that's a challenging situation because those contracts, the way those things work. Um, Here's the know. thing that like a convenience store has all of it. Yeah. What kind of contract do they have? Well, they have independent I, contracts. Why can't a restaurant just do that? Well, because I think that in a convenience store, it's all about the shelf space. So Coke and Pepsi will equally pursue the shelf space and make a good deal. Whereas in a restaurant, if Coke knows I can I can broker the best deal with this restaurant or this chain of restaurants, I'll have exclusive access to this group of customers. Hmm. I'm not I'm not buying it. You just think every restaurant should have every option? Well, I think they should all have Pepsi products. Oh, you're 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 the voice of the new generation. Well, it's because you get all your Pepsi products and plus Dr Pepper because Dr Pepper goes both ways. Yeah, yeah. Except in many movie theaters, which 
But then you get an even better option, Mr. Pip. No, I I disagree wholeheartedly. Please, uh, at Sir Happiness, let him know how much Mr. Pip is terrible. Send me some Pib extra. That's the worst. The worst. Well, Kyle, uh, we have a big show in store today. We have lots uh, more of this to come. Guests, lots more of this to come. Um, but uh, we do have a great show in in uh, coming up. But before we we get to our guests, I do want to tell you that I did something last night that um, I'm neither proud nor nor embarrassed by. It just kind you of be happened. Ashamed. I I don't think I should be ashamed. It just kind of happened. Um, I have a, a fairly routine and and probably bad habit of every night before I go to bed, I, I like to flip through all the Christian TV stations, uh, just to see what's going on. And truthfully, cause it, it just like, I like to get a little bit mad before I, um, go to sleep. And so last night I'm flipping through the Christian TV stations and, uh, TBN is airing the Dove Awards. And, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen a second of the Dove Awards in probably like 15 years um, maybe even longer than that. And I have to admit, Kyle, uh, I watched like an hour and a half of the Dev Awards and you're shaking your head at me, but this is what I've noticed. And this is what I want you to know. And you, the listener to know, uh, if you're ever going to be on an award show, whether you perform, whether you present or whether you win an award, I'm telling you right now, you want to be on a Christian based award show because they are the most affirming audience, just like a church, the most affirming audience you will ever uh, witness. I mean, during every performance, like people are standing up, raising their hands, praising the Lord. Uh, during the terrible monologues, when they're reading the teleprompters, trying to make jokes, people are in the audience just nodding their heads, smiling. Like, See, that's that's why you don't want to watch. Well, I'm just, I didn't Some say things, it's why you want to watch. I, I'm saying why. Do- I'm saying it's why if you are on an awards show, you don't want to be on that one. That is the one you want to be on no. because people will make you feel better about yourself. It's, they're just fluffing you up. You think so? You're not funny. They still laugh. That's hurting you personally. Well, I'm just saying I was like, man, this crowd is very, very supportive. Um, so anyway, just something I noticed and I'm not, I'm not saying you should watch Christian award shows or anything like that. Um, but anyway, Kyle, that's just something I noticed and, and we need to take a break, but I was asked to ask you a question this weekend also, and we have not, you have not heard this question, so I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. And all I need to know, Kyle, is how do you fight your battles? I'm glad you asked me this, Jason, because I have I've thought about this for a long time and it's a pretty personal answer, but here we go. You asked me how I fight my battles. This is how. But how do you fight your battles? This is how. How? This is how. I'm still not like you're not even you're holding a pin. You use a pin to fight your battles. No, I'm not holding anything. This is how. This is how you fight your battles. Yep. Mind-blowing. Join our next Create Initiative gathering November 5th and 6th in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. On Monday, November 5th, we'll be in Oklahoma City at South Point Church. And then on Tuesday, November 6th, we'll be at Victory Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Both evenings will have coffee and snacks as well as great opportunities to connect with fellow creatives. 
Jordan Ferris, the creative director at Ada First Baptist Church, will be sharing about time and project management. We can't wait to see everyone and hope you might consider joining us. The evening is free to attend, so go to createinitiative.org slash gatherings to register. Everyone, welcome back to the Create Initiative Podcast. Kyle, in today's episode, we have a couple with us that uh, we're very excited to talk to. It's Ben and Noel Kilgore. They're the worship leaders at Cornerstone Church in Tulsa. And uh, also, this Friday, October 26th, they have their uh, very first EP that's released through the Creek Music, and the EP is called A Resting Place. And, uh, arresting? Like a, a, like a police no, station? a resting ah, place. Don't uh, type in a resting place. Yes, please don't do that because I don't know what will show up. Um, but we talk about their EP in the process. Uh, they they went out and uh, met with David Leonard, who was with All Sons and Daughters, and, and uh, wrote some very, very good, very good, very timely worship songs. And uh, so uh, we hope you enjoy this interview. And uh, go find their EP, A Resting Place, wherever you get music, this Friday, October 26th. Let's kind of start at the beginning. How did you guys meet and uh, what did it look like starting uh, as worship leaders? We had both at separate times led worship at this church in Tulsa. And um, we knew of each other. We just didn't know each other. Okay. You know that field question? I don't know. <laughs> Do you not remember? Um, yeah, we, we knew of each other. Um, ben played around locally and I remember going and listening to him for the first time on Brookside with a friend and just kind of being blown away by um, not just his talent, but you could just tell there was a really sweetness about him. Just, I mean, not to get over-spiritualized, but I think anybody that ever hears Ben play, and even in the bar scene, everybody sensed this God thing on him. So, um, yeah, and then I led at the same church or a church that he would pop in and out of for their college ministry. And so we knew of each other. And then, um, but the church that I led worship at, the guitar player, he became a really good friend of mine, happened to be Ben's roommate um, down the road. So several uh, several years later, five or six years later, we I moved back to Tulsa and we connected. And, um, yeah, she was, <clears throat> at the time she was living in Amarillo and she was working for this uh, a homeless shelter and she was taking, taking care of the uh, young mothers and kids. And so she had an idea to, she wanted to make a album, album of lullabies 
um, for these moms and their kids. And so she reached out to, she wanted to reach out to some different songwriters. And so she, she actually contacted me on MySpace. That's how long ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks, Tom. Um, <laughs> and she sent me a message on MySpace and that just began this dialogue. Um, that was, uh, we really became friends before anything else. Uh, I mean, I pretty quickly knew, oh gosh, I, I had given up on finding, uh, settling down just cause I had high, high standards for, um, marriage, marriage um, and just thought I'll be old and single. And so as we met, I was like, oh, well, maybe that's going to be different because <laughs> she's pretty special. So uh, that's kind of how it started, just a friendship. And um, and she ended up moving back to Tulsa. And um, yeah, before you know it. Um, we knew pretty, pretty, pretty short into it that um, we were going to get yeah. married, that this was it for us. Um, we didn't jump into it right yeah. away into that. That, but it is definitely like one of those things. It's like, yeah, this is this is it. Yeah, one of our first, I wouldn't even call it a date, but hangouts. We, I wanted to take her to my parents' house so they could meet her. And my dad's passed away, but he was still alive at the time. And we had been talking about this Dennis Jernigan record that <laughs> uh, when we were both kids, we listened to obviously separately. And so I took her over to my mom and dad's house. And, uh, my dad had this massive tape collection, uh, or CD collection and tapes, yeah. maybe eight tracks too. Uh, <laughs> and we grabbed, I think it was, uh, Dennis Churn again. Uh, Whatever has the, um, come talk to me. Yeah, dad, daddy's song. Daddy's song. I think that's the end of the rest. Son, come, come walk with me. Come walk with me in the cool of the evening. Oh, man. Uh, and so we we like sat in the car and just got nostalgic over like we were very similar when we were kids we were both moved by worship music even from then uh and it's funny that that's like one of the nostalgic things that we both shared is an old Dennis Jernigan record um but so stuff like that was just like you know we were, we're, we're very, very different. Well, and I, but we're kind of cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Uh, and we realized pretty quickly, like the way that our personalities and, uh, a lot of things complement each other. Um, and so, yeah, we have fell in love. Well, I mean, that's, that's quite a story. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure Dennis would be very happy to know that you know, <laughs> put you guys together. <laughs> They really, they brought us together. <laughs> um, well, so how did, uh, so you guys were both kind of doing music and, and worship leading and stuff like that. So was it just kind of you guys, did you start leading worship together before marriage or had you guys got married and then went into the local church? Uh, no, not really. We, uh, it was after we got married that we really, that we really started. He would, he would still play out while we were dating and, Usually for about 20 minutes of the set, I would join him and do a couple of songs. And that wasn't obviously not worship leading. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, during the time that we were dating, he was actually flying to Green Bay 
every weekend to lead um, at a church up there. So we really, and I was attending a church here in Tulsa. And so we didn't even really have the opportunity. And then when we got married, um, he stopped going to Green Bay and, and we started attending our local church together. And um, kind of, we were approached uh, by Ed Gunger. He was the pastor and just said, do you guys want to, you know, try this? And we started leading it. Actually, before that, we was, was it before? No, before that, we got we got asked to do the new PM with that person. Oh, that's right. Because we were we were going to a church called Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. That's where we attended, and then so friends of ours, they were starting a new like Sunday night service uh, at a church called Asbury in Tulsa, which is where we would meet our current pastor John Odom. Yeah, he was part of that team. So we were leading on Sunday nights, and then we were just attending. Um, a church called Sanctuary on Sunday mornings, and um, our friend David Gunner was actually leading worship during that. And he's uh, has a group called The Brilliance with John Arden. Um and so we just loved going there in the mornings, and then we would lead on Sunday nights, and then Ben and I separately have been leading worship basically our whole lives. My mom was a worship leader, and you know, since elementary school, there were opportunities of leading worship even for like children's church and then Ben led for I know like his youth group and I did for mine and so worship has always been like a huge part of our hearts and I think something we've always been drawn to and love um and so once we started doing it together it just kind of took it to a different level for us and so yeah we're very grateful that we get to do it together. Um, it's a very special thing. Now that you're in the local church and obviously you've got opportunities to expand outside the local church. Um, what, what is it for you guys that says, no, we, we really want to be a part of the local church and help lead others in worship. Something that we keep saying over and over again, like one of the things that we think is so important about what we do as worship leaders and in, in local churches everywhere is we're helping to put the right words on people's lips. And, um, and helping us as like as the church putting those words on our lips to sometimes remind us of what the truth is it's something about corporate worship where we come together and um encourage one another and there's weeks where people have had very very difficult weeks they don't really have the um the stuff in them to actually bring themselves to sing but their their brother and sister on the left or right of them um, helps sing over them. And, and so there's, uh, in the corporate setting where we, uh, we come together as a body and, and then we, as the worship leaders get to like hand select these things that we want to put on people's lips. And, uh, and it kind of sets the, uh, the tone, but then also like, um, the path for, for at least, um, in our hearts where we want to direct ourselves. And so, um, um, and then also, you know, we grew up getting to see um, how, we, you know, the local church can be such um, a, not just a gift, but um, like, for instance, our, our church right now are kind of our, I don't even want to call it a mission statement, but who we want to be is, a community that's shaped by the gospel for the renewal of all things. 
And so we believe that the local church is one of the main ways that God intends to redeem things. And so we believe that we believe in what the church is and can be. And especially for our little church that we're in right now, it's like such a sweet vibe that we, it's small. It's, there's, it's a new church. And so there's that kind of like hopefulness and I wouldn't say idealism, but it's, we're getting to decide like, and say, this is who we want to be. This is who we want to be as a church that wants to be a gift to Tulsa. Um, and so it feels really important what we're doing. Um, not self-important, but what God has put before us. Mm-hmm. And so we get to be a part of this and we get to be part of the thing that says, this is what we're going to sing yeah. together. This is what we're going to cry out. And this is who we want to be. So it feels very important. And, but like I said, not self-important. It feels like, and what we do matters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, singing on Sundays, is just part of that. Um, uh, but anyway. Yeah. And I think Ben and I have, um, been, you know, we've had groups of friends and circles of friends that have been raised in the church that have left the church and, um, been very wounded and hurt. And some of that bears responsibility on themselves, but also I think that, that, um, the church in general has done some, got done some things that are, are not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the way that we write our music, the way that we kind of share is more of a real raw, what you see is what you get, you're going to get kind of a thing. And um, we feel like that's important to communicate within the church as well, that people can come in and, and feel broken and, and defeated. And we can speak to that through the music that we've written um, and meet them at that place, but also encourage them in ways that um, lifts their eyes to the heavens, you know? And so I think that um, one of the reasons we want to stay plugged into the local church is, yes, it definitely is a venue for healing for people, but we hope to be a part of a broader um, change of just allowing people to be real and um, trust the church with their hurts and their burdens and the things that have caused them pain um, without judgment and embrace and love and, and be the heart of Jesus for them. And hopefully that's communicated in our music and the way that um, we lead worship. So um, yeah, it's, we think it's an honor and a privilege and the place that we're at right now is, is very special. So um, for now, this is, it's definitely a huge part of our hearts. Well, I, I think that's awesome. And, and Noel, you just kind of uh, led me into one of my next questions because you, you talked about how you write from a place of honesty and and uh, and, and things like that. And, and there's obviously a place in it for the church. Sometimes we haven't done a good job of embracing that um, as a church. But but when it comes to, to, to you guys and, and your songwriting, um, how have those personal experiences you've, you guys have gone through and endured, how have they impacted, um, the songs you write? Um, man, I, I think that, um, our, our dynamic is, man, like I said, Noel and I are so different. This is actually like the first record we fully 
uh, co-written together. Um, and I think it's, uh, even when we sing, we have, like I talked about how we're, we're very, very different as people. Um, but there's, we find our, our, uh, compliment in the other about like the things like I naturally, when I write, I want to write songs of lament (laughs) and like, that's, um, I like sad songs and I always have. And, um, and it, even my voice, I think, uh, has a, a gravelly, uh, kind of a, a uh, roughness to it, mm-hmm. uh, where Noel's is like so smooth and, uh, it's like a, just a, a, silvery cloud that helps to develop that broken voice of mine. And so even sonically, there's a compliment there, but kind of in the way that we think and understand and experience God is, is different too, that I need the voice that Noel has, what she, how she talks about God to remind me to be hopeful and to remind me that there's joy to experience. And then I feel like my voice sometimes calls to hers to, um, that it's okay to be completely honest and vulnerable. And so there's this constant, uh, communication, not just between the sonic voices and the tones, but just from how we naturally experience and want to like speak to God. Uh, and so it covers a wide range of bases, but, with these songs, it was this batch of songs, at least it are, we found that we wanted this thing to be a gift of comfort and peace to people. Um, and so the tone of the album is, is meant and intended. We added a lot of space in there so that people could just, not, yeah. So we wouldn't be just singing at people and like, but there's space for people to find, hopefully find rest and comfort and peace. And, and, and so this album was, there's some, it's, it's honest. It's, um, I mean, even when we were writing the record, uh, unfortunately we had a family member that was, um, that, their newborn had passed away while we were writing the record. And um, it was obviously a very difficult thing, Um, but I think it even gave us more of a a broader vision of just like, man, we want to be able to write something where people can put a song on and listen to when they don't have the words to sing and feel encouraged and loved on and, and sung over in a way that brings ushers in God's peace and hope. And um, the more you learn about Ben and I in the beginning of our marriage and leading up, we had a lot of disappointments of just career and trying to start a family and Ben's dad had passed away. And so we had um, just some difficult things that we walked through. And I think where we finally found freedom in our relationship with God is just being honest with where we were at, with what we were feeling and knowing that God's okay with that. He's big enough to handle that. And, 
Um, so I kind of feel like we wanted to write songs that like gave permission for people to um, be where they are at. I'll never forget. I don't remember how old I was, and she's a she's a dear friend, so I don't want to make her feel old. Um, but I remember feeling listening to Nicole Norman's um, first record when it came out. I don't. I was young, but I remember <laughs> listening to the lyrics, and I thought this is the first time that like I feel like somebody is saying what I've been feeling, and it's not just like fluttery butterfly happy things. It, it's um, there's hope in it still, but there's also this like just realness of like you know um, be be big because I feel so small, and you know that kind of a thing. And so I think that that is something that pushes us in our writing of just like, let's be real and honest and raw. And in that people can find the hope and the peace and the joy that comes with knowing who God is and learning to trust him in those difficult times. And then moving into that season of joy and love and, and um, excitement. So I think that, that we worship music has done a great job of that. But I think also there's just some, um, some pieces missing of just allowing people to be real with how they're feeling. Because I feel like once you do that, it gives you permission to find the hope in that situation. It's when you're trying to hold it all together that's like, you know, when you're like, you know that you need like a really good cry. <laughs> yeah. You just you know, and you're just like holding it in and holding it in, and then you finally get to release it. And then afterwards, you're like, oh, that feels, I just, I feel a hundred pounds lighter. And you just, uh, and that's kind of like, I feel like whenever people have that connection with worship music that's a little bit more raw or whatever, it's like, yes, thank you. This is what I, this is what I need. I needed this release, and now I feel hopeful again so let's talk about a resting place the your the new ep um how did that kind of come about and what was it like uh, working with david and the the boys over there at the creek music so we've moved back to tulsa this december will be three years ago uh, we were at a church in phoenix for a couple of years and i moved back home to tulsa and with the intention of making more music together as uh, been in a while um i had been doing a lot of so I've been making a record on my own as a solo artist, and um, but our, our main thing is this. And um, so we had moved back, and um, we kind of hadn't really actively done what we wanted to do. So we, we took a trip to uh, Franklin to write, just write some songs with David Leonard. I've known him since I was in my mid 20s. Uh, I'm 40 now, so that's a lifetime ago, but. <laughs> Uh, I was playing, I was a uh, frontman for a band. He was frontman for a band out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. And we, our bands would trade shows. We'd go over for them there, and they'd come over for us here. Uh, his band was Jackson Waters. And, um, we got to know each other then, and then kind of kept in touch over the years. And I'd always wanted to work together, and it just, you know how that is. It's like busy schedules. And finally, it was like, all right, we're going to come out and see you. And so we went out there and sat down with him um, at the, the Creek Studios there. And we wrote four songs in two days. And the first two um, came all before lunch. And it was like, there was something very, the way that I was talking to a friend who knows David, who's a musician and has worked with him. And David is like a pastor in the studio. Um, 
and for this little community of, kind of artists and young guys and girls in in the Nashville area. He takes people under his wing, but then he he just guided our writing session as a pastor would lead a, a congregation through the Lord's Prayer or through the liturgy. It was like and it was it was new to us. It was it was it was more than just like writing good songs. It was like what I think it's supposed to be. And so we wrote four songs in two days. And of course he was he's got a great voice. And so we were kind of singing these songs as we had three different parts representing that we could kind of hear what it would sound like people sang it together. Uh, and so we had him come to Tulsa. We wrote two more songs in a day. And then Noel and I both just said, man, we feel like he helped guide us through this writing process so well, like we should ask him to produce the record. Mm. Um, and, and so normally like we, I have a producer friend that had done a lot of work for us and it was just like, that's kind of a, the natural route that we always went and it just felt like we should go with David and, uh, and the guys there. Uh, and so we went back to the same place the songs were written mostly and, and made the record there. And it was, uh, so Brad and uh, I don't know if you know Seth Cowley, these guys, the team there at Creek, it's just, um, it was, one of the, the the best experiences I've had making the record, and and then it was that it was completely equal parts me and Noel, and then David co-wrote the song with us. But um, uh, man, it was a great experience, and I feel like their team there um, they want to make beautiful records. Obviously, they sonically want it to be right. You know, the the craftsmanship of the song matters. But David's also a worship leader at his church. And so we're not just making songs with cool sounds. We're, we do have that intention in mind of like, we want this to be useful to, to church, like to worship leaders at churches all over. Like we, uh, not just so that, you know, we can uh, get our uh, CCLI hits, but that people in churches all over will, will get this, um, will have these words on their lips that help them connect to the Father. And so um, David knows that too, and he's done that. And so he helped to create those moments in there where, you know, call them holy moments or whatever, like where there's space for spirit to, to work um, beyond just what we're singing and saying. Um, and so we feel like when I listen to it versus some of the other worship songs that we recorded, it feels like there's this thing about it that you, is, uh, it's hard to describe, but it is, wor- this is worship music. Mm-hmm. And you can, like, it, when it comes on the radio, you can hear a difference of just a song and a worship song. Yeah. But that feels like what this is. And so I think we made the right choice there. Yeah, it's just in this really sweet um, relationship. Uh, walking into recording with a brand new producer, people that you don't know in a place that you're not familiar with can feel super intimidating, at least it can for me. And um, like Ben said, David just does a really great job of, of 
making me feel celebrated and champion. And so does his entire team. Um, and so we, we did this with him. We were super excited about it. We're ready to get it out. Talk to him about, um, doing a Kickstarter, um, and he was like, yeah, I think that's great. And then, like, the next day he called us and was like, hold on, don't do it yet. Um, we've got something in the works, so don't do anything yet. And we were like, okay. And um, it's like a week later, um, David had something at ORU, and he was in town. And him and Seth came, and they, they were like, can we stop by the house? So they stopped by the house, and... They kind of just let us know that they were starting a label underneath Integrity called The Great Music and um, that they wanted us to be their first signed artist. And um, obviously we were honored and, and felt almost immediately like, yes, this is what we're supposed to do. So it's kind of been a whirlwind and we're all newly babies at it. This is new for us. It's new for David and them. And the integrity team has been so great, um, championing, championing uh, us and the vision that we have behind this. And um, so, yeah, it's it's we have had opportunities in the past um, on different levels, and we just nothing really came about for us. And this has all just kind of fallen into place even from the moment that we started writing these songs and so it does feel very like god pointed and this is the time for us and um these relationships are definitely like um god relationships we're so grateful to be a part of the creek and integrity and um not just have them as you know professional people in our lives but as friends and people that care about us and and want what's best for our family and our career and um, the church. And so it's a pretty great marriage between all of us. I've been doing music, making music for years and years and had a lot of like, like we all said, different opportunities and nothing that, a lot of disappointments in the music industry with all ball. And, um, but I just told David, I was like, you know, thank you for taking a like chance and giving us a shot. And he's like, man, thank you for giving me a shot because their production team is like, they're new at doing the new all making records on their own separately. Um, and so there's this mutual, like, we both need each other. And it was yeah. like, just this beautiful time where it's like the thing they needed, we were able to provide. And the thing that we needed, they were able to provide. And so, um, I don't know, it's, it's yeah. pretty sweet. Where does um Sweet yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, that sounds like quite the story and, and kind of what I love about it is just when you get a group of, of creative people together and then, uh, I don't want to over spiritualize it, but if you've got a focus that, that is, uh, kingdom minded, then it just seems like, uh, great things can happen. If, uh, it, see, I, I want to preface this question by saying I'm not a songwriter at all. But I love the creative process. Um, you, uh, ben, you mentioned that you guys got in Franklin and you knocked out like four songs in two days. Um, yeah. I I can't even begin to comprehend that. That's not normal. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, uh, it you know without you, you don't have to go super into the weeds, but kind of what what is your songwriting process like? 
Um, how do you guys share ideas and, and melodies and all that kind of stuff? What does that look like? There's a lot of ways to skin a cat. Um, and I mean, there's a, a million different ways to approach writing a song and uh, kind of what we did in this for this is uh, we uh, kind of directed ourselves to some old, uh, there's an old book called, uh, it's a collection of poems called um, Poems with the Power to Strengthen the Soul, or, or I think that's it. Um, and so it's like read some old, la- old language uh, and poems of the church where like people used to talk in a way that um, we needed to hear today. Like, it's funny. There's, there's songs that I've written like years ago that didn't really mean much to me. I was writing it for someone else, like, kind of a, in, in hopes that that would encourage them. And then years later, that thing is what I need. And that's the same with connecting to, you know, realizing we're part of a bigger story. And there's, there, the, the church has been around for a long time and there's things that words and songs that they've written that were for us years later. And so a lot of what I do is read through the Psalms or um, we read these old uh, writings from the church and, and that can give us a phrase and um, like, and then we write around that phrase. Um, And, and then, you know, these are those three scriptures. We talk about, what do we want to communicate? Like, what is a subject matter or something that we would want to like focus on um, to put on the lips of people? And and then these things just kind of developed. And some of them developed naturally, and some of them were like like the last song on it is our lullaby that we wanted to create for our kids, and that was very purposeful. It was like, okay, here's the deal: we want to write a song that. Um, we can sing over our kids as they fall asleep at night. We can play over it that they can learn to sing over themselves when they feel scared or sad or anything. Like we definitely had a, a tunnel vision on what we wanted to create there, and that one came about crazy fast. But it was just like ninja on that. But um, the rest of them, you know, we would look through books and and get a subject matter and read through scripture and things that like inspired us and talk through it. And I, I mean, I'm very into all of the writing process, but Ben and David are very good with melodies. Just they just, Ben has always been just very natural, um, coming up with great melodies for songs. And so I do think that we're fortunate that the three of us could, um, blend as well as we did in the writing process. We all kind of bounced stuff off and it, and it worked. Um, so I think we got lucky on that. And because I thought, you know, we've been in a, you know, sometimes you sit down and write stuff and it's like nothing is coming and this feels forced and this feels gross, especially when you're like trying to write a worship song and you're, you know, um, and this just, I don't know. It was definitely well, it's interesting. Well, I, so when we moved back to Tulsa almost three years ago, I opened a studio so for the purpose of songwriting. And I went every day and wrote the worst songs. <laughs> like I just had, 
I just had a really long dry spell of just not being able to write anything that moved me. So I didn't feel like it would uh, be useful. <clears throat> and when we landed in Nashville on the plane, I said, you know what? No, maybe I'm not even somewhere. Yeah, he was very discouraged. I was like, maybe, you know, whatever. And what was beautiful about this is it was a, it's a team effort. It was like, it's okay for me to bring some insecurities to the table. Like there's things that I'm not so good at that Noel was really good at. And David added a whole other like batch of goodness to that where um, we felt safe to express all the bad ideas, all the good ideas. And, um, and so that morning, I think that it came so naturally, not easy. It was just like, gosh, these things need to be sung. Like we, as soon as we started seeing them, it was like, gosh, we were just, I know it's super cliche to say, I don't know if I wrote this song. I think I received it. <laughs> I was just a channel. And there was something about that where it's like we, after we kind of wrote and sang through the first song, we had this sense of, we feel like we're stewards of these songs now. Yeah. And we want to be, um, we want to be responsible with it. Like we want to, we want to craft these, continue to craft these songs, record them and arrange them. Uh, and we felt like, man, this, this is going to be really useful to people. And, and so in that sense, there was like, almost like sneak, it was like suspicious how naturally it came that you would be like, I think God was in this room when we were right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful process. Well, it, it sure sounds like it. And uh, as I mentioned, I mean, the, the songs that have have come out on this EP, like the, all, all those moments, in my opinion, show on this album. Um, and, and speaking of the album, uh, is there a song on a resting place that has come to mean the most to, to you all? And mine is uh, Oh My Soul, which is, we just released this last Friday. It, to me, that's like, um, you know, people have like a life verse or whatever. I have one, but uh, that's like the worship song I always wanted to sing, that my soul needed to sing. Um, and so that one, man, I, I still cry when I listen to it. And it, it says and, and does the things that I've always wanted a worship song to do. Um, and for where I'm at in my life right now, that song is, um, really speaks to my, my journey right now. Um, and helps me to, you know, remind my soul to rejoice. And yeah, I mean, that's definitely, it's really hard because that one is definitely up there. I get very emotional singing through that song. Just, um, I'm a visual person and like there's that, there's the bridge in there that says, when I came to Jesus, I was broken, weary, and sad. And I just see, honestly, what I envision is like the woman washing Jesus' feet with her tears and hair. And just, I don't know, so that, that's very, very special to me. When I came to Jesus, I was Oh. 
rejoice. I will say that the lullaby is probably, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it definitely holds a special place in my heart. It could be because I've always wanted to create something like that, but also I think just in the place in life that we're at, um, when we wrote that song and it, we it was finally finished, our son Merrick was born shortly after that. And so for eight months, he's eight months old, I've used that song to put him to sleep every single night wow. and for, yeah, and for naps and things like that. And it really, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it, it could be that it's our voices. It could be the melody. I don't know what it is. But he can be very upset. And the second I put that on, it calms him down and he chills and falls asleep almost immediately. Um, I'm not saying that that's going to happen with every child that listens to it. <laughs> But, but I think because I've got to use it with my my babies and um, and that's just like a whole nother level too. Like we haven't we haven't created music while while we had kids and now to hear them sing these songs mm-hmm. is just blowing our minds. Um, our little Rosie, she's two, and she'll sit at the piano and belt out grace grace and every night request mommy and daddy I want to listen to mommy and daddy as she falls asleep and so I don't know I think I've always wanted to create songs that children could sing that that would make them feel safe and secure and um, remind them of who Jesus is and I feel like we we accomplished that especially with that song um, for them and so it's it's really special to me I think just because it's Are there any words of encouragement that you all would like to share with uh, people who do creative things in the local church? One of the, the hard things or dangerous things even is, to, is doing the work of God, i.e. church work, at a pace that destroys the work of God in you. Yeah. And I see, uh, I've been involved in churches and I've talked to people that work in church ministry and they don't know how to rest they don't know how to create space to just be Um, they're always creating and and their either their value or whatever is found in what they make and not who they are and and so one thing first thing I would say is learn how to rest Uh, learn how to give yourself space and and protect that space where you can um, not be the creator but be the created and just sit in presence of God. And then the other thing I would say is <clears throat> so much of our like creative people who work in the church, I think your your own relationship with God can be centered about around you finding little nuggets to use in your creative work. You know what I mean? So it's like I would the more that I read the word, 
the better I'll be at my art and the more useful I can be to my church. And somewhere in there, it gets lost actually just knowing the father and and not like not exploiting it, your love relationship with God for your art. And so you suck. it's easy to lose time and love between yourself and God that isn't going to be exploited for your art. And that's, it becomes just, your relationship with God becomes a vehicle for your job. And I think that's really dangerous and, and, and sad. And it's happened to me. And I've had to recover those things where it's like, I'm going to God not so I can get like a song concept or yeah. uh, like sometimes I think that's why God like would heal people and say, don't tell anyone because that was just for him. And so I think sometimes for us as creators and creative people, we need to not go tell anyone. We need to not exploit the work God's doing in us. Sometimes it's just for us. And it's really hard to do that, especially the greater the thing that's happening. You want to like, oh, this is amazing. God's doing this in me. I need to write a song for a bunch of people about this. And sometimes it's just for you. Don't go tell anyone. Um, and so that's what I would say. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of insecurity within creatives and in the church and wondering if their time is up and if they're going to get their foot in the door and give that validation of their giftings and their talent. And, um, you know, we, we have adopted three children and I have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and now an eight-month-old. And um, for a while, Ben was the one, you know, we led worship at a church in Arizona and we lead every weekend together. And um, it was a really wonderful time for me to develop that um, gifting in me um, during that time. And then once we moved, Ben was traveling all the time and it was a season where I wasn't leading worship and I really wasn't doing much music of any kind. Um, and I would say that like, at first it was definitely an adjustment and hard. And then I realized like, what a beautiful time God is carving out for me of this season of just like learning who he is through my children and being okay and being secure enough knowing like if this is what God has called me to do, if this is what I'm supposed to do, that those doors will open up and that time will come when it's supposed to come. But for now, this is the season that he has me in and to embrace that. And it may not be the one that like the dreams of your heart has always said, for your creative purposes. But I will say that being a mom has always been the number one dream of my heart. And if I had constantly been distracting myself with, you know, trying to chase after something, I'd miss out on the beautiful season that God had me in, in that moment. And, you know, we're navigating right now what that looks like of, of having three children and doing this and, and you know, signing and possibly touring next year and things like that. It, there's a there's a lot on our plate with our children and we've just decided they're coming with us and we're just gonna do the family thing. Um, but I think I would encourage men and women um, that it's okay to, to sit in a season of sitting for a little bit. Like it's, your time is not over. It's not gonna like cut off the calling in your life. But if that is the season that God has you in right now, to embrace that because I will say coming out of that season um, 
And I still don't do as much as men because I, I have different yearnings and drawings towards my children and what I feel like I need to be doing. And that's not everybody's conviction, but just the way that I feel. Um, I, I feel like I learned new things about the Father's heart through my children and about myself and things that like, man, just some good pruning um, for myself and still going through it. But just learning that in those seasons, there's some beautiful things that can come out of it too. And being secure in who God says you are and not what you're gifting um, makes a place for, for you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think creative work is important and beautiful, and it, but I also think that unfortunately it's fueled by a lot of insecurity and we do things out of insecurity because part of it is just the way that we're made as artists, but the other part of it is just learning to trust that God, I have, I have had to go through multiple seasons of just sitting and being still and waiting and trusting God that what he's put in my heart will come to fruition. And I feel like that's, that's the season right now, but it came after sitting and doing other seasons for a while and putting my dreams, um, just in front of the father and saying, I release them. And I feel like you gave them to me and I'm going to be still with it. And seeing what God is bringing about is, is pretty special and trusting that he loves you enough to, to develop those dreams when it's time. We want to thank Ben and Noel again for joining the Creative Initiative Podcast. Don't forget, you can get their new EP, A Resting Place, this Friday, October 26th. And if you happen to be in the Tulsa area, they are having a launch party Friday night there at Cornerstone Church. It starts at 8 p.m. And uh, we will have a link in the show notes to their event page. Uh, it's totally free, but David Leonard from uh, their producer and also from All Sons and Daughters is supposed to be there. So should be a good, uh, good time, Kyle. Um, before we get out of here, you uh, finished a book recently and uh, you would like to share a little bit about it. I did. I actually finished one, guys. No, um, I recently read Learning to Speak God from Scratch by Jonathan Merritt. Um, Jonathan is, uh, he's a writer for, mm, he's just a writer. He lives in New York City now. I don't, um, but uh, his dad used to be the president of the Southern Baptist Convention when he was growing up, grew up in Georgia, grew up surrounded by the church culture and, um, you know, um, all the words that come into our vocabulary whenever you grow up in church, things that maybe um, non-church people know what means. But then he also talks about how um, some of those words that started as um, started in relation to your relationship with Christ um, have uh, transcended the church and become part of everyday culture for mm-hmm. everyone. He talks about um, words like blessed and words like, um, the cross and, um, stuff like that. And, um, um, he's just, the whole point of the book is like, uh, we've got to, uh, rethink the way we think about sacred words. And Mm. so, um, 
and then he launched he actually launched a follow-up well i don't know if he uh, he actually started a podcast that kind of goes along after the book and so where in each episode he'll bring a person on to discuss just one specific word yeah so it was just a really good way as for me growing up in the church and um and you see it all the time like i'll use blessed as an example again like he talks about it um you see hashtag blessed like when someone has a good day or um like someone's posing in front of their mirror, like flexing and like had a great workout today, hashtag blessed, you know what I mean? And like, um, he kind of goes into the, the history behind the word and what does it actually mean when we say we're blessed and stuff like that. Pretty good book. That sounds like it. I'm gonna have to check that out. Uh, and that podcast sounds interesting too. We'll have links to both the book and the podcast, uh, on the show notes. I'm just looking through his, uh, guest list. Pretty cool. I mean, Andy Stanley, uh, Jen Hatmaker, Aaron Equist, Amina Brown, she is amazing. Um, Beth Moore, uh, Brian Zahn, so great, great lineup so far of guests. Um, so yeah, I'll have to check that out for Kate, sure. Kate Bowler, that's the one. That I, was the one. Okay. That's the one I last listened to, and uh, it's the one that I was talking about the word blessed. Okay. And it's really good. Well, cool. Have to check that out and give that book a, a read for sure. And uh, like I said, we'll have show, uh, the links in the show notes uh, for that. Well, Kyle, it is time to depart. Another episode is in the can. R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, hopefully it's something you like listening to. Maybe you'll listen again when the next episode drops. R.I.P. Uh, for In referring to the podcast, really insanely playable. That is our podcast. That really, is the episode. R.I.P. Really this episode. Insanely playable. Uh, well, for Kyle Lee, I'm Jason Evans. Don't forget, you can see Kyle in person November 5th at our gathering here at South Point Church in Oklahoma City. And then November 6th, he most likely will not be there. It'll be in Tulsa. However, I will be there and I will wear... Uh, I, I, will lend, I will dress like Kyle. I will lend Jason this amazing denim shirt. That's right. I will wear a sponsored by Walmart denim shirt. Sponsored by Walmart. Also sponsored by what was it? Greensboro, Greensboro, North, North Carolina. Carolina. Where, also sponsored by Paycom. Where comfort which is guaranteed. Is sponsored by Sonic, which is owned by Arby's, and so on. And Seriously so though, forth. don't if you're a Christian, don't eat at Sonic.